people of Creston, sing a psalm of joy, shout in celebration. Let the tambourine and the trumpet bring praises to our King for his great salvation. Tune our hearts to praise, turn our ears to hear you. In thankfulness, may we walk your way and from day to day honor and adore you. To worship Creston Church. We've been praying for you as you've gathered for worship today in all of your different watching and listening places. We pray that each one of you will have an encounter with our living God. The good news for us today is that God is right here and he's right there wherever you are in all of your different places. If this is the first time that you've joined us for worship, Welcome. We're so glad you joined us. You can find out more about Creston Church by going to our website, CrestonChurch.org. Feel free to send us an email if you'd like us to get in touch with you. Today, we begin a series on a number of passages from Philippians, Paul's letter to the believers in the city of Philippi in northern Greece. The details about his visit there and his ministry there are recorded in Acts chapter 16. You can find the order of worship in today's email. It contains everything you need to participate fully in the worship service, including responsive readings and singing. So be bold, speak out loud, and join in on the singing. Even though we're in our separate physical locations, God 
recognizes our corporate worship together that we are bringing to him at this time. Now, as we continue our worship, I invite you to stretch out your hands as a visible sign of receiving God's greeting right along with everyone else who is watching and listening. My friends, our God has called us to worship, and now he greets us with these opening words from the letter of the Philippians. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And together we say, Amen. Please join me for our morning prayer. Sovereign Lord, who is there like you in heaven or on the earth? There is no one that even comes close. You alone are worthy of our praise. And so we have come to worship you, to praise your name, to proclaim your power and glory, to retell the stories of your goodness, to sing of your righteousness, to remember your mercy and compassionate love, to once again affirm that you are our God and that we are your people. Through the power of your Holy Spirit and the intercession of our Lord Jesus Christ, open our eyes to your presence among us. Open our hearts and minds to hear your voice, to recognize your call, and to faithfully follow where you lead. To you alone, Sovereign Lord, belongs all glory and honor and praise, now and to the end of time. Amen. Thank you. 
Confess the heartbreak, worry, and sorrow we have caused that make it difficult for others to forgive us. The times we have made it easy for others to do wrong. The harm we have done that makes it hard for us to forgive ourselves. Lord, have mercy and forgive us through Christ. Amen. Oh, 
so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life Christ died for our sins he made a full atonement for us we are forgiven and we have the promise of eternal life feel that forgiveness in your heart we are God's children also includes our offerings, as we have just been reminded once again of God's grace toward us. Our best response is to offer our whole lives back to God. Offering money is just one very special way that we can do that. During these times of being apart from each other, you may give your gifts using the postal system or our online giving process, making sure to clearly designate which causes you want your offering to be shared with. The deacons are pleased to acknowledge your faithful and continued giving to Creston Church. They also encourage you to consider our special offerings that are listed in the Friday email. Today's special offering is for Andrew and Ruth Ippel. They are our missionaries serving with Resonate Global Mission of the Christian Reformed Church. Andrew and Ruth are part of the staff at Nicaragua Christian Academy in Managua, Nicaragua. In just a few moments, we'll hear an update from them about their ministry. God bless you, Andrew and Ruth, as you serve as our ambassadors of Jesus Christ there in Nicaragua. We promise you our ongoing prayers and our support. Good morning, uh, Creston Church. Um, we are Andrew and Ruth Ippel, and we are missionaries with Resonate Global Mission down here in Nicaragua. Uh, we are excited to give you a little bit of an update uh, this morning. Normally, each summer we are able to visit people in person and visit churches, and this summer looked a little bit different. So we hope um, that you still appreciate this ministry um, update from our family this morning. We are very thankful to be back in Nicaragua for this school year. We were in the U.S. for about two months of the summer for our normal trip back to visit um, family and friends and churches. 
in June and July. And then um, because of travel restrictions, we were stuck in the U.S. for a while and we thought we might not be able to return. We ended up actually flying to Florida and being stuck there for 10 days before we were able to continue on and eventually got back to Nicaragua on a charter flight arranged by the school that we work at here. Throughout the summer, we weren't sure what uh, school would look like for us as staff and for students. Um, we did end up opening um, in-person classes um, towards the very end of August. And we've had about a month now of school. There are students that are doing online classes only, but only at this point about 20% of our students are studying online. The rest of students have returned to uh, physical presence classes. I worked on a committee to um, make sure that we were able to open safely or as safely as possible um, in terms of the policies and procedures that we follow. And um, the school is doing a very good job keeping our staff and students as safe as possible. But please, we appreciate your prayers for the health and safety of our school community. In general, COVID in Nicaragua seems to be um, not as big of a deal as it once was. I think June um, and July seemed to be the times where we heard of the most cases. People we knew, many people did have relatives and, and close family or friends um, who were either very sick. We know many people who lost um, loved ones. Um, and right now we aren't hearing of, of confirmed cases. I have not had too much to do since we have been back because um, of my ministry stuff. A lot of it is still not happening. Um, my, the group of women that I meet with at House of Hope is not meeting still because it's not necessarily the best decision to bring 300 women together on a Tuesday morning. Um, and my pregnancy group is also still not meeting, um, but I have found other ways to plug in. I've been subbing at the school some so that when teachers are sick, they can stay home. Tesoros de Dios um, did start meeting at the beginning of September. Um, they have changed their schedule so much, so they only have a few students coming at a time. Um, you know, kids with disabilities are at a higher risk for complications from any type of, of virus. And so they want to be very cautious. Um, so they have had students come back um, in small groups. They actually had one staff member who had uh, COVID-like symptoms. So they ended up sending half of the staff home for 10 days already um, just to be safe. And that staff member now is um, has recovered and they don't think it was COVID. But we just, we're, we live in a country where testing isn't really possible um, and happening and so we just have to err on the side of caution in all of our ministries. We want to thank you so much for your support and your prayers and your encouragement. Um, we are praying for you all too. We know that this is a difficult time for everyone everywhere um, and so we are lifting you up in prayer. Thank you. Bye. Our weekly offerings are for the other ministries of our church and for our denomination. What God has called us to do as a church in this neighborhood and in this city. And what God has called us to do as a denomination all around the world. May God bless you in your giving. Please remember to check the Friday email. It contains lots of information for you about our church family and the ongoing ministries of Creston Church. The most recent edition includes a reminder for, for you to pray for Creston's council meeting this coming week 
information about the most recent efforts of the Pastor Search Committee, the Crust and Coke Collection, Coffee Break Bible Study, Pine Rest resources that are available to Creston Church, and the various activities and resources for our children and youth. Even though we're limited in our physical comings and goings, there are many special ways for you to serve God and our communities, as well as to enjoy some fellowship with small groups of God's people. God bless you. I'd like to share the prayer concerns that we've received recently. When I say, Lord, in your mercy, please respond with, hear our prayer. Sharon would like prayer for her youngest sister, Joanne, who was in a car accident on September 28th and has been in the hospital ever since. This past week, she was moved to a rehab facility, but then she had to be readmitted to the hospital. She's in a lot of pain, is very weak, and due to previous health issues, is quite fragile. Pray that if something is going on in addition to her injuries, that the doctors will find it, and for her pain to be lessened. And also pray for her husband, Will, as he helps her through all of this trauma in her life. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. With collective hearts of gratitude, we give thanks for new life and love within our Creston community over the last month or so. While these milestones may be more difficult for us to celebrate in person due to our current conditions, we do celebrate nonetheless. And we praise God for the work being done in the lives of some of our Creston family and friends. So on September 4, Tim and Emily welcomed their son, Isaiah Dirk. On September 19, we celebrated the wedding of Emily and Theo. Emily was a mentor at the Najoni House and a beloved member of our Creston community. Emily and Theo will be living in the LA area for a little while longer. Emily recently completed her Master of Divinity degree at Fuller Seminary and is working on her chaplaincy certification. Her husband would like to continue his work as a world-renowned musician and music producer. And most recently, we were thrilled to celebrate with Kelsey and Ian as they were joined together in marriage on October 2. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Drew and Hope are very thankful for all the prayers from our church regarding Drew's arms and his injuries a few weeks ago. Last week, he had a good follow-up appointment everything looks good, and he's now allowed to drive again. They're thankful for this good news. Please pray for Hope, as work has been incredibly busy. The hospitals are full and overflowing. Pray that she and the other nurses and medical staff do not feel burned out with so much work to do. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Jeff was scheduled to begin radiation and chemotherapy treatments on October 14. However, one of his housemates just tested positive for COVID-19, and he's in the hospital. This means that Jeff and the other housemates are under quarantine for the next two weeks, and Jeff might need to be tested, and that his 
his treatments are now postponed. So please pray for Jeff and his housemates during this challenging time. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. If we're willing to pay attention, we can see God at work in many ways. So be sure and share a God story by sending an email to the office or creating a video so that you can share your experience with us. Here's a God story from Jane that also includes a request for prayer. Listen to Jane's story. She says, as you know, life's given me some hard times lately. And through it all, God has been showing me in so many ways just how much he goes before me. Here's a God story or two. I was boating down the Indian River, no wake speed. And I, as I approached the expressway bridge, I saw something swimming ahead of me. As I got closer, about 15 feet from me, the creature's tail slapped the water and disappeared. A beaver, pretty big fella too, wow. I continued about seven minutes down the river and a big fish jumped a six foot span. Again, wow. 10 more minutes down the river and I heard a loon call. God knew I was going home shortly to a critically ill sister and gave me some summer fun water time in space of just 45 minutes. God has blessed me with so many caring people who've prayed, reached out, meals, ice cream, walks. Truly, these actions and prayers that people have carried me through. And then last week, I was north again to winterize the boat, and the night sky was spectacular with northern lights. The heavens were telling the glory of God. Last week, during a routine EKG for cataract surgery, a blockage was found. This means that the electrical impulses that control my heartbeat cannot properly move through my heart. This is a risk that increases with age, and so they'll be looking for underlying heart disease when I see a cardiologist on Monday. Truthfully, I will admit to my first thought being, Really, Lord? But the Spirit moved and reminded me that this was a routine test. If I wasn't having cataract surgery, it might not have been found. Praise the Lord. Please pray for me and my family as we continue to grieve and as I navigate health without my sister, one of my usual prayer supporters. As Jane requests, Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. I invite you now to join me in our prayer for the people. God, like the Israelites in the wilderness, we too have known your love and experienced your care and provision. You call us to extend your love to the world around us, to care for others as deeply as we care for ourselves. And so we bring the needs of our world before you now. In your mercy, hear our prayer. We pray for those who do not have what they need in order to survive. Those without enough food to eat or shelter to keep them warm. Those without employment or enough money to pay their bills. Those without access to medical care or medicine to keep them healthy. 
Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We pray for those who have more than enough to meet their needs, but who continue to feel empty inside, who struggle to find meaning and purpose in life, who turn to alcohol, drugs, or other destructive behaviors to try and hide the pain, who entertain thoughts of suicide. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We pray for those who are struggling physically, for Jeff, Jane, Drew, and Sharon's sister, Joanne. We pray for strength, for hope. We pray for others who are battling life-threatening disease or injury, who are living with chronic pain, who are coping with dementia or facing death. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We rejoice with Tim, Emily, and Isaiah, Emily and Theo, Kelsey and Ian, for your goodness to them. God of the first and the last, and all those in between, your grace reaches out to all of us, lifelong believers and newcomers alike. You call us to live as citizens of heaven, to work together with one mind and one purpose, to reach out in love to those in need. And so we pray for your blessing upon Andrew and Ruth Ipple, the council meeting, and the pastor search committee. Strengthen us so that we might live in a manner worthy of the good news we have received, offering our lives to the building up of your upside-down kingdom, where the last are first and the first are last, and there is grace enough for all. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. Amen. Our children have the opportunity to join in on their own regular video time of children's worship. Let's share this blessing from God with each other, all together, saying, The Lord be with you and also with you. It is our privilege today to turn to a new book of the Bible, the book of Philippians, and we will be uh, engaging in some passages from this book for the next few weeks. Philippians is in the New Testament. It's one of Paul's epistles, and uh, we had a little bit of review of those books of the order, books of the Bible. So if you can find the book of Acts and then Romans, First and Second Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, and Philippians. Philippians chapter one. We're going to begin reading at verse 21 in just a moment. Philippians chapter 1. Let's pray together. Eternal God, in the reading of the scripture, may your word be heard. In the meditations of our hearts, may your word be known. And in the faithfulness of our lives, may your word be shown. Amen. Philippians chapter 1 beginning to read at verse 21. For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. If I am to go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. Yet what shall I choose? I do not know. 
I'm torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far. But it is more necessary for you that I remain in the body. Convinced of this, I know I will remain, and I will continue with all of you for your progress and joy in the faith, so that through my being with you again, your joy in Christ Jesus will overflow on account of me. Whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then, whether I come and see you or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in one spirit, contending as one man for the faith of the gospel, without being frightened in any way by those who oppose you. This is a sign to them that they'll be destroyed, but that you will be saved, and that by God. For it has been granted to you on behalf of Christ not only to believe on him, but also to suffer for him, since you're going through the same struggle you saw I had, and now hear that I still have. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Philippians is a letter written from pastor to congregation. It's a letter between a pastor and a congregation who have developed a special relationship with each other because of the pastor's message about Jesus. This is no ordinary business letter. This is a thank you letter. This is a letter filled with joy. This is a letter that contains teaching. This is a letter of encouragement. This is a letter with many sections that are familiar and special even to us. We know quite a bit about the author of the letter, the Apostle Paul, how God reached out to him on that road to Damascus and called him to bring the gospel to the Gentiles. Paul's letters make up a big portion of the New Testament. However, we might be a little bit less familiar with the city of Philippi and the people who heard Paul speak there and became believers in Jesus Christ. The city of Philippi is located in northern Greece in the region called Macedonia. The city prided itself on being an important part of the Roman Empire. Many people were connected with the military or were successful in business the city is named after Philip, the father of Alexander the Great. If a person wanted to make something of him or herself, the city of Philippi was a great place to do just that. There was definitely a Roman flavor to the city. Perhaps that's why not too many Jews decided to settle there. There weren't even enough Jews there to justify building a synagogue. Instead, as we read in Acts 16, worshipers of the God of Israel gathered outside of the city at the river for Sabbath prayers. That's where Paul found them, sometime around A.D. 50, when he arrived in Philippi. Over the course of Paul's time in Philippi, we meet Lydia, a businesswoman who is a dealer in royal purple fabric. Paul and fellow missionary Silas create an uprising in the city by healing a slave girl 
resulting in them being bit, beaten and put into prison. And then there is the jailer who fears for his life during an earthquake, but is encouraged by his prisoner Paul to be baptized along with his family. And the very next morning, the city leaders discover that Paul and Silas are Roman citizens that should have protected them from the beating and the imprisonment. Those city leaders ended up swallowing their pride and they released Paul and Silas and requested that they leave the city. All these people and quite a few more are quite a collection of individuals who make up this small church of Jesus Christ in the city of Philippi. Even though Paul moved on from Philippi to preach in other places, these believers continued on their spiritual journey and even sent a financial contribution to help support Paul in his imprisonment in Rome. Now, about 10 years later, in AD 61, under Roman house arrest, Paul takes the opportunity to write to this group of Christians in Philippi, where he was the first person to share the gospel. The beginning of this letter is filled with Paul's obvious love for the Philippians and his gratitude for their support of him in prison. Paul acknowledges that even though he's in prison, the gospel is still being shared in many ways by many different people in many different places. Even though the motivations are not always commendable, Paul rejoices that above all, Christ is being preached. As a prisoner, Paul wonders about what comes next in life for him. Our text today lets the believers in Philippi listen in on Paul's wonderings. How will Christ continue to be exalted? Will it be best if Paul lives or if he dies? What would be best for Paul? What would be best for the other believers? These are profound wonderings. This is not about something simple like wondering what shirt to wear or what to eat for supper. These are life and death wonderings. Paul realizes that there is really not a downside to either event of living or dying for him. He's really quite satisfied with either option. For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. If Paul keeps on living, he's got Jesus Christ in his heart as his Lord and Savior. That's a terrific sense of assurance of faith. But, says Paul, if I die, that's even better yet. But then again, if I keep on living, then I have the privilege of continued service in ministry. No matter how he thinks about it, Paul's goal is to live his life and die his death all for Christ. As the Philippians listen to the reading of this letter, they hear Paul's vacillation between the benefits of living and dying. How should I think about this? I don't know. I could go one way or the other. Personally, what I would prefer, says Paul, would to be to die in order that I could be with Christ. But as Paul ponders, the Philippians also get a glimpse of his unselfishness when Paul comes to his final conclusion. 
As he continues this letter to his congregation in Philippi, Paul makes the determination that he is still their pastor and that they still need him to shepherd them along their journey of spiritual formation as disciples or followers of Jesus Christ. Without Paul, this little 10-year-old congregation will undoubtedly struggle to continue to grow in their faith in Jesus. Paul sets aside his deep longing to be in the presence of Christ in order to continue to encourage the believers in one of his church plants. Paul trusts that that is God's plan for him at this point in time. Without an under-shepherd, the congregation might flounder in their faith in Jesus Christ. In Paul's mind and heart, that would be tragic. Here at Creston Church, we usually don't consider ourselves as a church plant or an immature congregation. Creston Church has been a community of faith since 1917, for more than 100 years. But remember with me for a moment. Way back in 1917, a pastor, an under-shepherd, took on the ministry of leading those very first members. And then came another pastor, and then another, and another. If I recall correctly, their pictures are displayed in the church basement. Each of these pastors experienced God's call to nurture the faith of this congregation that has been meeting on the corner of Spencer and Buffalo for over 100 years. The pastors aren't the only ones that God has used to care for this flock called Creston Church. Think about all the Sunday school teachers, Bible study leaders, youth group leaders, elders and deacons, prayer partners, and so many other mentors who have cultivated the faith of the many people of Creston Church over the years. Now imagine a little bit more with me. What happens to the faith formation and journey of growing as disciples of Jesus if we remove all the pastors and other mentors from the history of Creston Church? What if all those people had decided to turn away from shepherding the sheep of Creston Church? Most likely, the congregation would have faded away like sheep without a shepherd lacking progress and joy in growing in their faith in Jesus Christ. It could have had the same tragic results that Paul was hoping to avoid in that little church in Philippi. The result of Paul's ponderings is that he feels confident to continue to shepherd, to lead, and to guide the growing faith of the believers in Philippi. Paul gets right to the task at hand in verse 27. There's only one command, a Greek imperative in this text. Paul tells the Philippians that there is just one thing to focus on. Putting everything else aside, do just one single thing as your priority. Our NIV puts it, whatever happens. 
and we could also understand it as only one thing is important. The one important thing, my Philippian friends, is to live your lives in a specific way. You already know how to live or conduct yourselves as responsible Roman citizens. Now, transfer those same high expectations and live in the Roman colony of Philippi as worthy citizens of your heavenly homeland, as Gordon Fee writes. Live your life every moment and every day in a way that gives honor to the good news of the salvation in Jesus Christ. This is how you should go about living this way. Stand firm in the power of the Holy Spirit. Stand firm together as if you were an athletic team with everyone working together for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Stand firm in all that you have discovered and learned about faith in Christ. You've learned about living holy lives that bring honor to Christ. Now keep on doing that all together without being afraid. Just as Paul pondered that his focus in life was always on Christ, so you too, Philippians, need to put your focus on living life for the gospel of Jesus. As your pastor, I, Paul, remind you that by the grace of Christ, you have received the ability to believe that salvation has come to you. But I also remind you that Christ graciously gives you the strength to suffer on his behalf. Friends in Philippi, you're not all that different from me, Paul, when it comes to suffering. It may take different forms and take place in different places. But just as Christ graciously gave his all for you, now you have received the ability to give your all for Christ. All those 10 years later, Paul is continuing to nurture and mentor the Christians in Philippi. God's using Paul to nudge them along in their spiritual formation. Live your lives in a way that is worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Gordon Fee puts it this way, the key to everything, both to this letter and to Paul's life as a whole, is to be found in this passage, even though it is a bit of an aside. Paul's saying, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain, puts everything into focus for us as far as our understanding of the Apostle is concerned. First, he is a man of one passion, Christ and him alone. This is the same concept that all those members and pastors of Creston Church's past decades passed along to the many people who have been part of our congregation. Live your lives all for Christ. Today, in 2020, we at Creston Church are still leaning into the same priority. Live our lives all for Christ. It's a lifelong process for us. Some of us are in the learning mode. Sometimes we're in the mentoring mode, helping someone else along the journey of growing in faith in Jesus Christ. And often we're doing both learning 
and modeling our mentoring. As the transition team and the pastor search committee have heard from many of you, there is this desire at Creston Church to grow in discipleship. That's a word that doesn't get used very much in other contexts, but in Jesus' day, all rabbis or teachers had disciples. These young men would leave their homes and work to literally follow the rabbi wherever he went for years. They would walk from one place to the next, stopping often, so that the disciples could listen to the teachings of the rabbi. They hung on the rabbi's every word, hungry for all that could be gleaned from the God of the Old Testament. It was the same for Jesus and his disciples. For three years straight, his disciples, Peter, James, John, and all the rest, listened carefully, drinking in the message of the kingdom of God, coming in fresh new ways through the word of their rabbi, Jesus. They learned from his teaching. They made every possible effort to imitate him as much as they could. All of that following closely paid off in the years to come as they shared what they learned from Rabbi Jesus in our New Testament. Then after Jesus' resurrection, the Holy Spirit breathed the rest of the truth of the good news of salvation through Jesus and the full life that is possible through him. Our goal as faithful disciples is to imitate the rabbi to do everything possible to live our lives in a manner that is worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ, to do our all for Christ. However, that goal of living all for Christ is quite meaningless without the all that Christ has done for us first. The all of Jesus was to love us all the way to the cross, where he gave his all for us, even death. There's even more to the all. All the way from death to life, for the sake of paying for all of our sin. Just a little three-letter word, all. What a huge all. There's more to the all, eternal life. Wait, there's even more. It's that progress and joy in the faith that Paul writes about in verses 25 and 26. The all from Jesus includes an overflowing life full of joy and progress in becoming mature disciples. Dallas Willard reminds us in an interview that Jesus said, I came that you might have life to the full which is more than life beyond death. Remember that a disciple is someone who is with Jesus, learning how to be more like him. The new birth of salvation is just an entrance into the kingdom. Being a disciple is becoming transformed or changed in the action of following Christ. It's only when we deeply contemplate the all of Jesus' love for us 
that we are inspired to live our lives all for Christ. As the final verse of our next song expresses, only beneath the cross of Jesus, we will gladly live our lives. Amen. Let's pray. God of the first and the last, and all those in between, your grace reaches out to all of us, lifelong believers or newcomers alike. You call us to live as citizens of heaven, to work together with one mind and one purpose, to reach out in love to those in need. Strengthen us so that we might live in a manner worthy of the good news we have received, offering our lives all for Christ to the building up of your upside-down kingdom, where the last are first and the first are last, and there is grace enough for all. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Amen.
Now, my friends, we've come to the end of our time of worship together today. And as God spoke to us at the very beginning, his words of greeting, he now gives us his parting blessing. I invite you to sit up a little straighter in your chair, maybe to stand in body or in spirit, perhaps stretch out your hands to receive these parting words of God's blessing and benediction. My friends, may the peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in the knowledge and love of God and of God's Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. And may the blessing of God Almighty, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, remain with you always. And all God's people say together, Amen. Amen.